Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodine. I am your host, and we're going to talk about the Tesla shareholder meeting today, the whole show around it. Oh. But before I go on, many of you out there are like, hey, many of you being the Patreon supporters, you promised a Patreon exclusive video. Where's it at? It didn't show up. Well, after I recorded the last week's episode, because I recorded a little bit early, uh, I got up in the middle of the night to use the restroom. I fell down, smashed my face on a counter, and got a concussion, broke my nose, got some stitches, chipped some teeth. So this last week has been a little bit of a struggle for me mentally. Just to give you an idea, on Monday, I couldn't. I was trying to call people because this whole accident thing happened. And I was entering phone numbers into my calculator on my phone, and I couldn't figure out why things weren't working. I'm much better now. Other than a dull ache in my face, especially on my left side below my eye, I'm fine. There's no issues. I don't want your sympathy. I'm just telling you I have uh, some extenuating circumstances, not the normal excuses as to why I didn't get that Patreon exclusive out. And if you are owed something, Deepak, Chris, I haven't sent it out yet, but I will, uh, hopefully on Saturday. My wife is home all day on Saturday, so hopefully we can get them some of these things that I need to get done, done. All right. Let's see here. Let's pull up my show notes. Talked about how I fell on my face, blah, 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 blah. I want to thank all of our Patreon supporters. actually want to thank John for upping his pledge. Thank you so much, John. Totally unnecessary, but completely appreciated. Um, if you want to join the Patreon group, you can go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt, or if that's too hard to remember, go to support kilowatt.com and you can support the show. The money that is generated through the Patreon, none of that goes into my own pocket. All of the money goes back into the show. Like I'd like to go to the Eliato show this year. I'd like to get a new preamp because I realized that a lot of you, um, have noticed that it's difficult to hear me and you have to turn the podcast all the way up. That's because the preamp that I use is not power enough, powerful enough to power the amp, the microphone that I use. So I just need to get a new one of those, but they're about 500 bucks. And the software that we use to record the show, that's also expensive. It's on a subscription. It's about $90 every six months. And all the other stuff that goes with that hosting and blah, blah, blah. So all of that Patreon money goes right back into the show. None of it goes into my own pocket. And I can't see a a future, unless this podcast gets enormous, where it will ever go into my pocket. I'm not looking to make money. All I'm doing is looking for a little help running the show. All right. So go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt if you want to help. All right. Let's start with the show. Let me pull up my show notes again. All right. I, I heavily edited this Tesla shareholders meeting. I heavily edited the clips. I tried to take out a lot of the ums and ahs that Elon says uh, to make them shorter and the pauses because uh, that actually removes quite a bit of time from these clips. That also took quite a bit of time. But I tried to make everything I, – I tried not to mess with the message. I wanted to make sure that 
the message gets through and how it's conveyed. So if somebody stammers when they talk, but it's important to the, the message when they're stammering, I just left that stuff in there. Versus if there's just a bunch of um and ahs and long pauses in between comments, then I, I took all that stuff out so that it's just easier to listen to and it's shorter clip-wise. So without further ado, let's jump into our first clip. I know a lot of you who listen to the show are Tesla shareholders. So see our chairman, Robin Denholm, she gave a little thank you to the Tesla shareholders. So I want to play that right now. I would like to start today's meeting by thanking you, our investors, our shareholders, for the tremendous support that you've given Tesla, not just over the last 12 months, but also over the last many years. Without you, the progress that we're making as a company towards the mission of moving the world towards sustainable energy would not have been, would not have happened. When you're changing the world and many industries in the process, you need to have a certain amount of intestinal fortitude as an investor. And when I speak to many of you, um, our shareholders, you have that in spades. So thank you. One of the things that I like about Tesla is the upper echelon folks do seem, and it's a big seem because I don't know any of these people, they seem to really care about their customers. They care about their shareholders. They say they care about their employees. And, you know, I, on one side, I do believe that they do. However, there's the business side and there's the the humanity side. And sometimes those two things don't always coincide. But this thank you from Miss Denholm seems to be very genuine. And that's, uh, that was nice to hear, even though it was a shareholders meeting and probably expected. So now we're going to hear Elon just talk a little bit about the Model 3. It's been you know, a hell of a year, but uh, a lot of good things are happening. And I think it's worth going over those, those things. Model 3, last four quarters, is uh, actually selling, outselling all competitors combined uh, in the U.S. It's the highest revenue car uh, in the U.S. and best-in-class uh, performance. And it's actually the best-selling car by revenue, of, including high-volume cars like the Toyota Camry and Honda Accord. Yeah, I think most people uh, aren't aware of this. We're about the fourth best-selling by numbers, but the uh, highest-selling by revenue over the past year of any, any car in the U.S. That's remarkable that an electric vehicle is the best-selling, the highest-revenue car in, in, the, in the country. I think a lot, you know, t- 10 years ago, nobody would have believed it. Th- thanks to the, the hard work of the, the Tesla team, this is, what, this is the result. It's great. And uh, as I said, in, in class, uh, the Model 3 is outselling the Mercedes C-Class, the BMW 3 Series, the Audi A4 S4, and the Lexus combined. That's, that's in, uh, in units. The, the difference is higher in, in, in uh, dollar, dollars. We all know that the Model 3 is a big hit, but honestly, hearing... Elon say it and all of the achievements, it, it's really amazing what Tesla's done with this car. And especially when you think about the Model Y is going to be so much bigger than the Model 3. So it'll be interesting when that comes out. And we'll hear about more about the Model Y as the shareholder meeting continues. Right now, we're going to hear Elon give a similar update with the Model S. You know what? Before I do that, you'll kind of hear some clapping and then it gets muted really quick. I cut those sections down. I left the clapping in so you know that somebody was uh, uh, plotting, but I cut it down because, you know, again, it, it happened so much in the shareholders meeting that it probably cut minutes out of this whole podcast, just the, just the applause. So just FYI, if that sounds weird or muted, like there wasn't any enthusiasm in the crowd, that's not really what happened. All right, moving on to the Model S. The new Model S is a 370-mile range. You can go, uh, we actually did this uh, with the Motor Trend. They drove nonstop from the Bay Area to L.A. So it was, uh, admittedly, that was downhill, uh, sort of. <laughs> not really. <laughs> it feels downhill, but it's not. Um, so, but on, on a single charge to go from uh, the Bay Area to L.A. Uh, is pretty, pretty wild for uh, any, any car, and especially a uh, full-size uh, sedan. Uh, it's worth noting that uh, no car has exceeded, no electric car has exceeded the range of the, the first Model S that we came out with in 2012. 
So resisting the temptation to pick on competitors, I will not do that. It's, 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 still, it's, it's a testament to the Tesla engineering team uh, to be able to have made a car seven years ago that has still not been exceeded in range. And now to have a car that's uh, 370 miles um, and uh, with steady improvements that are likely to occur over the next few years, it won't be long before we have a 400-mile range car. Not anything really new and exciting in this clip, other than, again, it's nice to hear Elon say it out loud and just kind of give a little bit more context to the achievements. And that last little bit that Elon said about having a car with a 400-mile range. I wonder if he's referencing either the Model Y, because he said before that the Model Y could have a lower drag coefficient than the Model 3, or if he's talking about a redesigned Model S. Because we already know the Roadster is going to hit that range, but the Roadster is a while off. And he said soon, and we're looking at somewhere between September and November for a Model Y, or excuse me, Model S redesign in X, the X probably won't hit it this year, 400 miles. But it is interesting. You just kind of put that in there. So I think that's a little Easter egg. Moving on. In this next clip, Elon's going to address the question, is Tesla having a demand problem? So uh, we get this question a lot. Uh, I want to be clear, there is not a demand problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sales are, have far exceeded uh, production. And production has been pretty good. We're actually doing doing well, and uh, we, we have a decent shot at uh, a record quarter on every level. For, if not, it's going to be very close, but, it, but we've got a shot at a record quarter. And 90% of orders are coming from non-reservation holders, so these are our new customers. I've said this several times on the podcast, but I think it bears worth mentioning. Tesla has a delivery problem, and I think a lot of people are getting a lot of people, not people who listen to the show, but a lot of people in the media are getting that confused with or purposely twisting it with Tesla can't sell cars. And really is the the reality is, is Tesla can't deliver cars. All right, let's talk about Model 3 trade-ins. What kind of vehicles are people giving up to get this amazing electric car, the Model 3? Let's listen. Uh, Model 3 market potential, when we see trade-ins, uh, 63% of the trade-ins are non-premium cars, which means people are trading up to buy to a Model 3. Uh, yeah, 12% are mid-sized sedans, 25% other premium vehicles. But it's just interesting that a super majority, essentially, of the, of the, the cars that are being traded in are uh, non-premium. So it's just, this, this is a lot of potential. Honestly, I think this is... This compares really well to the iPhone. So when the iPhone came out, everybody had a flip phone or a kind of a smartphone. It wasn't really smart. It did a lot of things that a flip phone didn't do, but the iPhone did so much more. I also know that it was also limited. So bear with me in my analogy here. But people were initially were like, I am not going to spend that much money on a phone. I'll never use the features. And now you look around and everybody has a smartphone, whether it's an iPhone or it's an Android or whatever. It was the the iPhone was the catalyst to get us to where we are today in terms of smartphones. And the Model 3 is going to be the catalyst to get us to where we are 10, 12 years from now for electric cars. All right, let's talk about the Model 3 cost of ownership. Or let's let Elon talk about the Model 3 cost of ownership. When people look at total cost of ownership... The actual total cost of ownership, because electricity is so much cheaper than gasoline and the maintenance costs are much less, you don't need, you don't need an oil change or a filter change. You basically never need to change the, the brake pads because uh, of regenerative braking. Uh, the actual uh, operating costs of an uh, electric car are much less than a gasoline car. And um, so it takes a while for, to educate people on this because the, the easiest thing to look at is just the the lease price or the, the purchase price. When, when factoring in fuel and maintenance, it's, it's actually buying Model 3 is like buying a Camry or an Accord. Okay, so that might be true over the long term. However, when you go out and buy a new Camry or an Accord, you have a warranty. You're not going to be replacing your brakes right away. You probably got a few oil changes from, for free from the dealership. So your overall cost of that car initially is just going to be the payment and putting gas in it. 
with an electric car, and we'll just use the Model 3 for an example, you're paying that cost up front. So that's going to be more money out of your pocket during the life of that loan or that lease, which can be a significant amount of money and should not be discounted. All right. So this is going to be a little bit longer clip, but Elon's going to talk about autonomy. The autonomy investor day that I think was well received. The, the Tesla full self-driving computer is literally 20 times faster or 21 times faster than the NVIDIA system that it replaces. We expect to be uh, feature complete with autonomy by the end of this year. You know, they'll, they'll, you'll still need to supervise the autonomy, but it should be able to go from your garage to your parking space at work without intervention. Then, then we'll put on billions of miles uh, of, of testing, and then I think probably sometime next year you'll be able to have the car be autonomous without supervision, and then sometime thereafter we'll be able to convince invest, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, regulators that this, uh, the autonomy is safe enough uh, that the car could actually go around with uh, no one in it. And, and it's really the, the critical elements for that are having billions of miles of testing um, ultimately tens of billions of miles. So having a huge fleet, uh, having a, a very powerful AI inference engine, and that's the Tesla full self-driving computer, and then having the sensors in the car that, that are necessary for the, the car to drive, like being cameras in all directions, radar, uh, ultrasonics, uh, a good uh, IMU, GPS, that kind of thing. I think we've, we've laid the, the groundwork here for a, a fleet that essentially every car made since October 16 is capable of full autonomy, in our view, with a replacement of the computer alone. So you just need to switch out the computer. Like a lot of people were, were puzzled as to how could I say that we would have like you know, a million robo-taxis by the end of next year. And it's, it's if you sum up the vehicles made since October 16, and essentially switch out the computers for the ones that uh, were made a- after the full self-driving computer a few months ago, we will have a-, a million cars that are capable of self-driving. We'll still need regulatory approval, but the capability will be there. This massively increases the value of the car. In fact, I think it's basically financially insane to buy anything except an electric car that is, that is upgradable to autonomy. It's just nuts. You can see one country after another is putting dates on banning gasoline and diesel cars. The, the, the environmental pressure to move away from fossil fuels is getting stronger and stronger. So it's just, it's just basically mad to buy a fossil fuel-powered car at this point because its, re, it's, it's long-term resale value will be less and less. It's also important to buy a car that is upgradable at least to full self-driving because a, a car that, that cannot do self-driving will also be not worth not very much. You know, I've made this comment before, but like essentially, if you buy a gasoline car that's not full self-driving, this is like riding a horse and using a flip phone. It takes us a bit of time to educate uh, consumers about this, but I think people are, are starting to get it. Um, and like, you know, a car is a, a major investment for most people. It's, it's often their most valuable asset. And if, if you're going to make a choice about your most valuable asset, you want to look towards the future and say, where are we headed? Clearly, we're headed towards electrification. Clearly, we're headed towards autonomy. And so that's the kind of car you want to get. <laughs> so I think, I think this is people are starting to, to realize this. I choose to have a healthy skepticism on autonomous driving. I do think it's the future. I do think that we're going to get there sooner than a lot of people think, mostly because Tesla's pushing this forward. And, you know, you have Waymo and Ubers getting back into the self-driving cars. And all these other companies that are out there doing it, there's Aurora and a bunch of other companies doing it as well. Rivian's got their version. So I think we're going to get there. Let's get an update on the Model Y, shall we? Then with Model Y, this is the, the biggest uh, segment of vehicles in, in the world is the uh, mid-sized SUV. It's uh, two and a half times bigger than the Model 3 market. And so we, th- we think probably demand for the Model Y will be greater than the uh, S3 and X combined. We put a lot of effort into uh, the efficiency of the car. 
um, getting incredibly low drag coefficient, and uh, I think we, we might be able to get the drag coefficient actually uh, lower than the three, which will be is, is, is quite unusual. And the, the car has a, a lot of room inside. I think like a good sense of design or, or a good design principle is if, if the car looks bigger, um, on, it feels bigger on the inside than it looks on the outside, that is a, that is a good design. So this, this car is actually quite big on the inside. And then we, we expect to hit volume production towards the end of next year. Internally, we're, we're aiming for, for sooner than that, but we want to have some, some margin on, on that timing. I think this is great news. The Model Y is coming out much faster than I actually thought it would. But I say, please, please, please take your time, get everything set up right. Not necessarily for customers, but not to give, don't give fodder to the people who hate Tesla and come out with the Model Y and then have a whole bunch of production problems like the Model 3. I would really like the rollout of the Model Y to be as perfect as possible. Okay, let's talk about Gigafactory 1. This is going to be a little bit longer of a clip, but it goes into a nice little history of Gigafactory 1, and I thought it was worth keeping in. Yeah, I think it'd be good to, you know, maybe you talk about the Gigafactory. And I remember when we were, like, doing the calculations uh, for battery capacity, and we're like, uh, we need more batteries than all of Earth is currently producing. <laughs> so it's, unless we build this thing, uh, it's not going to happen. Maybe you tell the story. Um, sure. Well, yeah. uh, good to see everyone. Hello. Yeah, it, it was a pretty crazy story. And Elon um, uh, and I were just talking about it recently. And it's sort of amazing how some really simple kind of napkin math could lead to such a, a kind of outrageous you know, result. I mean, as you just said, you know, we, we basically did the, the quick math and looked at, okay, we're going to build you know, so many hundred thousand cars per year and this many kilowatt hours per car. You know, therefore, therefore, you know, 35 gigawatt hours of, of cells per year. Well, that's a huge number, and it was actually more than the entire world was producing for all applications, cell phones, computers, cars, everything, um, just a few years before that. So, you know, that, that was what kind of shocked us and said, wow, we, we you know, this isn't going to work unless we build an entire new facility to, to solve this ourselves. Yeah, if we probably not going to get all the battery factories in the world, so therefore we better build this. Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is this, this was basically, I think, five slides. We showed a picture of a, of a factory in the hills and, and said to investors, uh, we need money to build this thing. Uh, and they gave us the money, which was cool. Um, and, uh, and we built it. Yeah, yeah, we built it. And, and it happened. There it is, right there. It's really giant, um, and it's getting bigger. We, we have... Uh, about uh, 35 gigawatt hours of, of capacity potential uh, at Giga right now, um, and then we're about sort of 70 or 80 percent of, of that capacity has been realized. Like, like there was a bit of confusion earlier this year because uh, Panasonic said there was 35, and there's technically yes, but it was, it's not 35 at max capacity yet. Uh, but it will be um, probably I don't know end of this year or next or early next. It's, it's also lowest cost per kilowatt hour. Uh, it's half of all global EV battery production. So if you add up all the EVs, all, all electric vehicles in the world, all the batteries that they use, uh, that's approximately equal to what we make at the Gigafactory. And maybe just a, a quick shout-out to the whole team out there and the team that's made that happen. I mean, it's yeah, been absolutely. such an epic project. I mean, as you said, starting with dirt, <laughs> literally dirt <laughs> yeah. in the desert, um, to now the biggest battery factory in the world, and it took thousands and thousands of people to do it. Um, Kevin had a huge part in that sitting there. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing watching that happen, and I feel super proud to be part of that team. There's no doubt what Tesla did with Gigafactory 1 is pretty amazing. They do a lot of stuff there, and it's a large building, and it produces a lot of batteries. Now Elon's going to give us an update on the Gigafactory in China. We're making good progress on the Gigafactory in Shanghai. If you've watched the progress online, uh, it, it gets followed with in excruciating detail. <laughs> I think the number of drones flying over the factory is pretty nutty. We need air traffic control. But, but this, the shell of the building is, is basically done at this point. It's, it's, I think this might be the, it's the fastest large factory construction that I've ever seen. And maybe there's something faster, but I'm not aware of it because this is, is amazing. And we're already installing a lot of the factory equipment, the stamping machines. We'll begin installing the paint shop and you know, battery module lines and that kind of thing. So this will be 
obviously extremely important to our future because uh, China is the, is the largest uh, electric car market in the world. Um, and to, to date, we have had to pay import duties, uh, sometimes quite significant ones, ranging from 15 to 40 percent. And, and we did not have access to local incentives because th- those are only if you make the car in China. Now, now that the local incentives are going away, I think, approximately when our factory starts. I think this is a coincidence, but at least we will not have the cost of the import duties, and uh, we will, uh, it, will, it will cost less to make the car in, in China, so we'll be able to have a more affordable uh, car for the, the China market. So this is extremely important to Tesla's future. One of the things that I liked in that clip is Elon didn't seem to mind that there were drones flying over the Gigafactory. He thought that it seemed like he just kind of was, it was very amused that it's happening. So that's, that's awesome. I think that's great. In terms of the Gigafactory starting actual production of cars, it kind of sounds like I'm going to have to eat some crow on this because I didn't think they would get very many cars out before the end of the year, maybe a couple, and then they'd really start ramping up production in 2020. It really sounds like they're going to have maybe a solid quarter of getting cars uh, produced in that factory. And if they can ramp it up as fast as uh, they say, they could be another great quarter at the end of the year for Tesla. In our next clip, we get a little update on the European Gigafactory and where that's at status-wise. And it also makes sense to have a car factory at least on each continent. Uh, this is a wise wise move. We'll continue to expand, I think, um, our activity in, in the U.S., ha- having to not uh, pay tariffs and have the really long delivery chain and high transport costs uh, will make the cars a lot more affordable to people in Europe and in China. Yeah, we're looking forward to making a decision on this, uh, hopefully towards the end of this year. I'm honestly surprised that they haven't figured out or haven't announced where the Gigafactory in Europe is going to go. But my best guess, it's going to go somewhere around Germany. All right, let's talk about power walls and power packs. This is a pretty short clip. Tesla Energy, we're looking at probably at least doubling energy storage growth for power wall and power pack compared to 2018. Internally, we have a bigger goal than that, but I think we can at least double it. And so it would be at least sort of on the order of two, maybe approaching three gigawatt hours. I like to hear that they're ramping up production for the Powerwall and Powerpack. I would also like them to get to a point where they could lower the price to something that I would feel comfortable putting on my house. Because right now, uh, according to their estimator, I would need three. And we're looking, you know, right around $25,000, $26,000 installed, which I'm not going to pay. I might be able to get away with two, but that's still somewhere around sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars, and that's that's just a lot of money, to be honest with you. All right, Elon's going to tell us a little bit about how Solar Roof version three is doing. We're installing the solar roof in eight states. Uh, we're about to complete version three of the solar roof. So this is actually quite a hard technology problem to have an integrated uh, solar panel or, or solar cell with a roof tile and have it look good and last for 30 years. Like, roofs have to last a long time. <laughs> so the amount of testing that one has to do and do, and do accelerated life testing to say, how can we predict what, how this will perform if we just spend six months of testing and project that out to 30 years? So it's, it's quite a hard problem. And then making it easy to install, uh, getting the cost low. But I'm really excited about uh, version 3 of uh, solar roof. And I, I don't really overconfident on this, but I think we, we have a shot at being equal to a comp shingle roof plus someone's utility costs or, or, or being maybe lower than that. So that, that, that's like one of the cheapest roofs available. So you can have a, potentially a great roof at, with better economics than a normal, fairly cheap roof and your utility bill. So if you can have like basically a, a better product at a lower price, that is obviously will take off like, like crazy. So but it is a hard problem to solve. Like uh, Many other companies have tried to solve this problem, and they have not succeeded. I, I'm feeling pretty good about this. You guys want to say anything about that? I would just say that the team is super motivated by that goal, and yeah. we think we can achieve it, and we are, I mean, we are laser-focused on achieving it. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Drew, I've had a number of meetings with, with Drew. We're like, bang the table, damn it, we've got to achieve this. <laughs> <laughs> 
It can um, be done. It can be done. Intention, intelligence, and invention. You yeah. Make it happen. It is going to happen, and it's going to happen at a cost, a very high cost. For my house to put a solar roof on, it's going to cost, let's see here, I think it was $76,000. I'm 44. For me to live long enough to see that roof pay itself off or stay in this house long enough for that roof to pay itself off is not practical. I mean, we're looking at maybe 30-ish years down the road that maybe it's going to pay back. I'll be 76. I might be dead, to be honest with you. 74, 30 years, 44. Not so good at math. Anyway, Elon's going to talk about Supercharger 3 in this next clip. Let's listen. Version 3 Supercharger. It's actually like the the scope of of technology that is advancing at Tesla is is really massive on many fronts. Um, So as I mentioned, we've got uh, version 3 of the solar roof coming out soon. We've got... Uh, version 3 of the supercharger that's being deployed around the world. And this is a 75 miles in 5 minutes capability, 250 kilowatt uh, system. I'm sure a lot of you have used the superchargers before, and they've uh, typically been anywhere from 75 kilowatts to, uh, if if you've used one recently, you might have gone up to 140 kilowatts. Um, But that's the version 2. And then version 3 is uh, 250 kilowatts. And when, when 250 kilowatts are charging a really efficient car, the miles, the miles per minute is f- super good. Um, and in fact, I think there was recently a test, uh, I'm not sure who it was, but uh, tested like what car could charge the most number of miles in half an hour. Uh, it was the Model 3. One of the things that I hit on a lot on this show is if you take Tesla and you take all the divisions inside of Tesla, and then you break them out into their own companies, you're going to have several very successful companies. Now, realize that Tesla as a whole isn't making money, but just sheer output technology-wise, these companies are successful. You look at autonomy or battery production, you know, the obvious electric cars. One of the things that I fail to mention, and I kick myself every time I use this example, is their charging network. Tesla has an amazing charging network. As long as you own a Tesla car, they have an amazing charging network. And it is like what they're doing with Supercharger 3 and what they're doing with the existing superchargers in terms of pre-warming the battery or pre-conditioning the battery so you get faster charging times is amazing. And it's moving charging networks forward. Having said all that, Let's listen to Elon give us an update on maps and the supercharging network. Um, and then we'll be publishing uh, new maps uh, for the uh, supercharger deployment. Um, and uh, we're finally going to get the Trans-Canada Highway. Um, and, uh, <laughs> for example, uh, <laughs> and then we're going to get Alaska, too. Um, so, yeah, the, the actual, the, the, this, this map doesn't even include all of the locations. Uh, but but the, the, really, like the, the two critical factors we've found for sales in, in any given region, and, and they're really obvious, actually, are, is, is, is there a service center within reasonable distance? And it, it, are there superchargers on all the routes that you'd like to take? Um, you don't want to have like 80% of the routes, because then like, oh, geez, but what about that one trip that you can't do now? So you really want to have it's superchargers and service centers are the absolute key uh, to to sales, um, and uh, really we can we can map our sales to like basically people are just like sensible, <laughs> they're like uh, okay you need to service your car and you need to be able to travel conveniently on long distance routes, um, and so wherever we've got that we our sales are good. Um, uh, we also have to have good consumer financing and make sure pricing is competitive. But it's it's it, as soon as people see that they they buy the cars. It's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, and so we'll we'll be expanding the supercharger network uh, quite uh, substantially uh, over time, um, and also enabling uh, Tesla to use uh, other uh, high speed charging networks. Uh, so you have like a, a, adapters for that. Um, and the, the key is, like, when you buy a car, you're, you're buying freedom, freedom to travel. Um, and, and, then, and, and so you must have the superchargers, you must have high-speed charging, and then if the car breaks, it must be fixed quickly. 
I know some people in Canada that are going to be very excited about that clip. All right, let's hear Elon talk about mobile service and just service in general. Before I start the clip, though, it is worth mentioning that Tesla did lay off some people in their service departments across the country at different service department, uh, service centers. All right, now let's listen to the clip. I'm actually really excited about our, our mobile service. Um, so uh, we have mobile service vans that will um, come fix your car um, as, as soon as it breaks down. It actually will immediately send a note to Tesla mobile service. It will be on its way to fix the car. And so we, we we're actually we, we trialed it um, in in the Bay Area, and now I've extended it to the LA area and a number of others for for tire repair. So we'll just come; the, the van will, will arrive, uh, give give you a new tire in half an hour, and you're on your way. It's it's like it, may, it makes a huge difference. And 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 we're adding things like bumper repair and minor collision repair. You know, if I look at the Things that most trouble customers, it's like things like uh, collision repair taking an eternity. Um, <laughs> and, and then a third-party body shop ch- charging an arm and a leg uh, after taking an eternity. So um, we're, we're moving a lot of the, the body repair uh, in-house at Tesla um, and, um, and, and then even providing it on, on mobile service. Um, and we, we just did our first... Uh, uh, a bumper replacement um, from from mobile service van. So, like, typically, collision repair can, can take weeks or months. In this case, it took less than an hour. One of the things about owning a car I really don't care for is going to the service center. Service centers are revenue-generating uh, re- profit centers for dealerships. So I always, in the back of my head, I have no, I have zero confidence that they're doing what's best for me or for my car. They're doing what's best for the dealership. Having said that, I know that not everybody's a crook out there, but I just don't trust them. And I do not care to go to the service center. I don't like sitting in their chairs. I don't like what they have on TV. I don't like their stale donuts. And it's boring. So being able to have a mobile service van come to my house, pull my car into the garage. They can work in the garage. They can be you know, somewhat shaded in Arizona And then they just take care of my problem while I'm at home hanging out with my kids or playing a game with my kids or whatever. Uh, That's really, that really appeals to me. And if I could just have my wife experience that one time, I really feel like we'd have a Tesla in the garage tomorrow, you know, aside from the fact that the financing and paying for it. Okay. Rant over. Elon's going to give us an update on the Tesla pickup. And I'm going to combine two clips here because the Tesla pickup clip is kind of short He's also going to talk about the Tesla Semi, battery cell production, and some other stuff. So I'm just going to put those together. Here we go. Then the pickup truck, which uh, we hope to unveil hopefully this summer. We spent a lot of time on designing the pickup truck. Like, I think it's the coolest car I've ever seen, to be frank. I think it's, not everyone may share that opinion, but worst case scenario, we'll build a normal looking truck. Man, no problem. <laughs> we know what those look like. The, this, this is something that'll... If you're driving it down a road, it looks like it came out of a sci-fi movie. So it'll be really cool, I think. And then the, the semi, which uh, we, we look forward to getting into production, you know, hopefully to, towards the end of next year. A lot of this also is dependent on uh, our ability to uh, manufacture a lot of cells and make a lot of battery packs. There's, there's not much point in adding product complexity if we don't have enough batteries. <laughs> then, then it's complexity but without gain. We're matching the the product rollout according to the scaling of, of battery production. Um, that's really the the main limiting factor. And and then as we as we scale battery production to very high levels, we actually have to look further down the supply chain. We we, we might get into the mining business. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe uh, yeah, a little bit at least. We'll do whatever we have to to ensure that we can scale uh, at the fastest rate possible. To this point, we are going to have a battery and powertrain investor day that's uh, hopefully this summer, before the end of the year for sure. Because um, I think we, this is a big deal. I, I mean, I think if, if I were an outside investor, I would really focus on, on two things. What is the timeline to full self-driving? And wh- what is your plan to 
scale and uh, battery production and, and, and get the cost per kilowatt hour lower. Those, those are basically battery cells and full self-driving. Those are the two strategic things that are of most importance. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they have in store for the Tesla pickup truck. I am very excited about this. In terms of not releasing new products until they can solve for that battery constraint, that makes a lot of sense. And getting into mining, that also makes a lot of sense. The market is about to get a lot more crowded with VW and all these other companies that are making electric vehicles. And those ingredients that you put into, you mix into the batter to come out with an electric vehicle cake, those are going to become a lot more difficult to get your hands on as these companies are going in to these mining operations. And they're like, we'll buy the next five years worth of worth of whatever it is you're mining. And by the way, here's a dump truck full of money. So you belong to us now. All right. In our next clip, Elon's going to briefly talk about Maxwell technology. Uh, what aspects of battery production will integration Maxwell, Maxwell have? We think this is really quite strategic, but we'll leave the details of this to battery and powertrain investor day. There's some very important technologies there that I think will have a, a big effect on the cost and, and scaling of cell production, uh, both reducing the, the cost and reducing the capital required to scale uh, cell production. The IP that Tesla got when they bought Maxwell Technologies, that may be what also pushes the next car, the next Model S or Model Y or Model 3 to four, over 400 miles range. All right, uh, Elon's going to talk about Advanced Summon. We, we do actually have Advanced Summon out in early access right now, and we're making steady improvements to it. It's it's close to being amazing. It's not it's not quite there, but it's close. There's a lot of complexity in parking lots. It turns out, you know, it would be very easy if if you were like on open ground and you summon the car and it just drive to you. That's a, no problem. But if you've got to navigate through a parking lot and you're effectively going through a maze with a lot of obstacles and people moving and cars moving, it, that's quite tricky. It, but it, it's it's close to being magical. Like if I feel good about this this uh, going to wide release. Rel- you know, fairly soon. You want it to be good. I mean, that's that's, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, that's exactly. the simplest answer. It's got to be awesome. It's got to be awesome and super safe. You know, they can't be. You know, we can't. We, we don't want to like run anyone over, or <laughs> that would be bad. So, um, it's tricky. Like, if you make the car really sensitive, then it 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 just you know grows paranoid and then doesn't move. Um, <laughs> And then you, you don't want to make it too aggressive. That's bad, too. And, and really, the, the threshold is, is, is it more convenient to summon your car or walk to your car? And if it's more convenient to walk to your car, summon is not that useful. So it has to move reasonably fast, certainly faster than you could just walk there. I'm not sure if I had a Tesla that I would ever use advanced summon, if I'm being honest, because typically when we go to the mall or the grocery store, I try and park you know a little bit further away so I get a little bit more walking in. Not always. Sometimes it's really hot outside and I try to park as close as humanly possible. Maybe I'd use it in those situations. It's interesting when he was talking about trying to solve for an overly timid self-driving car versus an overly aggressive self-driving car. Because that's really what Advanced Summon is. Just a small step towards full autonomous driving. All right. Our next clip is going to be pretty short. Elon's going to talk about Tesla insurance. Then what uh, status of Tesla insurance? We're... Pretty close to being able to release that. We have a small acquisition that we need to complete and a bit of software to write, but it won't be long before we release that. And I wonder if that acquisition is going to be root insurance, which is currently my insurance for my cars now. I bet it is. Elon's going to talk again about the pickup truck event and then some other minor details we've already heard. Pickup truck event sometime, probably sometime this towards the end of summer would be my guess. Like, we're trying to create something here that is really new and not, not just derivative of, of all the other vehicles on the road. And we try to create something new and it's, it's not just basically a copy of the form factor of everything else, but you still want it to be great. Uh, it's very hard. This is a very hard thing. Our goal here is to have something that's more functional than an F-150, which is a great truck and tough-selling, car, tough-selling vehicle in, in, in the U.S., but then also a better sports car than a basic 911. So that's a hard one. 
Um, but like it's physically possible, so I think we can do it. Like I said, we've heard a lot of that stuff before, but I know we have some new listeners to the podcast, so I, I just kind of threw it in there. It wasn't that long of a clip. Uh, somebody asks Elon about Starlink and Tesla. If you don't know, Starlink is SpaceX's project to bring internet to areas that are underserved. And Elon has some good answers as to why Starlink may not be on Tesla's in the near future anyway. Um, do you think Tesla could rely, rely on SpaceX or Starlink? I think we would have to have a different antenna for Starlink because the Starlink antenna is, it's, 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 I think it's actually probably the most advanced phased array antenna in the world, including military. It's about the size of a medium pizza. So it would be fine for trucks and RVs and airplanes and any kind of uh, like a house or a business or something like that. But it would look a little odd on the roof of a sedan. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I think but we could make a smaller antenna and, and maybe use it. But I think, I think most likely we would continue to re rely on the cellular networks. The, the value of Starlink, the main value of Starlink, is providing low-latency, high-bandwidth access to sparse and, and, and moderately sparse, relatively low-density areas, basically rural or semi-rural areas, uh, places that don't have connectivity right now. So I think it's, it's like qu quite a great system, but it's, you know, it's, it's probably able to serve like 3 to 5% of people in the world. Now, that's a lot of people because of all the people in the world, but it's, it's, it's not actually not ideal for high-density cities. It's really to, to serve the, 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 uns the, the unserved or poorly served is what Starlink's about. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit disappointed. I was hoping that I could put a Starlink antenna on top of my house and get affordable high-speed internet. Because right now, I have Cox. I'm not unhappy with Cox. However, I think they charge too much. Elon's going to talk about demand, growth, and profitability in this next clip. So we feel good about demand. Uh, that's uh, not a major issue. Profitability is always challenging if you're a fast-growing company. I think that the scale at which Tesla is growing is... Um, like a hard to appreciate, but I mean, last year we we doubled our fleet, like so we made as many cars last year as we had in our entire history, and this year, you know, it's going to be like pretty like similar, at least sort of sixty to eighty percent growth of the total vehicle fleet, M maybe more than that. It, so it's hard to be profitable with that level of growth. It could slow down, but then that would not be good for. Uh, sustainability and you know, the cause of electric vehicles and, and solar and storage and all that. So, I, but I think we can be cash flow positive despite having a, a very high growth rate. Yeah, I mostly agree with that. I don't have a lot to add to that last clip. Next, Elon's going to talk to us about robo taxis with human drivers. So it wouldn't necessarily be robo, would it? Let's hear. What, what about an update for like rideshare? I guess like so, we could kind of practice a rideshare fleet uh, with uh, with people, and then um, that would be good for figuring out things for the robo taxi fleet in the future. Um, so I mean, this might this might make sense. I mean, we'll probably do something like this. Probably makes sense. It's sort of a supervised robo taxi, just like Waymo's doing. A autonomous car with a safety driver. All right, our next clip is about Gigafactory three, and more specifically, why limit? Why does Tesla limit itself to five hundred thousand cars per year out of that factory? Tony Mazzapelli, shareholder. China is a place where there's a lot of car action right now. There's a lot of volume over there, a lot of growth markets, and they have sixty percent of the EVs. So I want to ask you about the Giga three project and its goal. The building that you're building is a Fremont scale operation, maybe a little bit bigger. And last year you said it was 500,000 units per year target. That seems a little bit low to me because... <laughs> okay. Sure. I think it probably... For a company, for a country like China, and that would give us like 29% if the other 
players, providers, uh, product sellers say still, which they won't. Uh, also, if we're at volume, going to higher volume, we learn more, get the cost down. That's a good thing. Also, we connect up with the supply chain, which is very powerful over there. You know, advanced car electronics, batteries, Panasonic, Catal, Samsung, LG, people like that. On the demand side, with no import fees, our cars compare very well to all the other products. Yes. And the Chinese like Tesla style, luxury, quality, range. So, and plus, they need help uh, getting rid of smog in their cities. So, and, and maybe we could even export from that factory to other Asian factories. So why was the target set at 500? Do you think in China we are being aggressive enough? Oh, man. Have you seen how fast that uh, China factory has been built? Yes. I mean, I've never Two seen anything. Two months or less. I've never seen anything built so fast in my life. It is pretty epic. Oh, why not two? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. We'll, we, we can't spend money too fast. You know, we'll run out of it. Um, so, it, there's like, I mean, I think like long term that factory will probably do more than five hundred thousand. So it's sort of like an interim goal. Maybe it does a million or more long term. But then probably we should look at, at maybe having like like China is pretty big uh, geographically, um, and so it may make sense to to have uh, factories in, in other parts of China uh, in order to reduce uh, logistics costs. Um, you know, the, like a, a, a very big impact on the capital efficiency of, of any company is the the time from when you receive raw materials to you, you building the product and then getting the product to the end customer. And so if you can compress that time to uh, where ideally, in an ideal circumstance, you receive the, the payment for the car before you have to pay for all of the ingredients of the car, then the faster you grow, the more capital you have. So it is very important to localize uh, the, the product production and have the supply chain be close by and for everything to move really fast. Because then you can actually scale, and the faster you scale, the, the more cash you have. Whereas the counterpoint is if you have to pay for all of the ingredients long before you get paid for the car, which is currently true for cars that are outside the U.S. Because we have to put them on a boat, go through customs, then, then transport them within Europe and China. So our, our non-U.S. production is, is, a, is challenging from a cash flow standpoint because you have to pay for everything long before we get paid for the car. And, and so a big uh, advantage of the local production uh, in, in China and Europe will be uh, solving for that, that cash, cash flow gap. I know that was a really long clip, but I thought that it provided some really good information and insight. And obviously, the person asking the question is pretty well informed. So I just kind of left it all in there. Our next question comes from a horse owner, and they want to know the towing capacity of the Tesla pickup truck. And I want to know it too. My question for you is, as a horse owner, I'm wondering what the towing capacity for the truck. <laughs> sure. I didn't mean to insult horses earlier, by the way. No, it's fine. <laughs> um, horses are cool. Uh, the, the, it, it will, it will, if it's designed to meter exceed an F-150, so if an F-150 can tow it, then the Tesla. Uh, pickup truck should be able to do it. Yeah, if you look at the Rivian R1T, the towing capacity on that pickup truck is real close to what an F-150 is. It's either a little over or a little under. I can't remember what the exact number is. All right, in our next clip, it's going to be kind of long, but Elon's going to give us an update on full self-driving. Hi, Elon. My name is Caleb Elson. Um, I recently got my Model 3, and I'm happy it has Hardware 3 in it. So I watched the Investor Day for Autonomy, and you talked a lot about the FSG chip, the neural network, but you didn't talk much about the gap between Navigate on Autopilot today to the end of 2019. I was wondering if you could geek out a little bit on <laughs> where we're going to go from now till December, January, February, feature-wise. Is that already running in your cars, like the demo, and we're going to cherry-pick it, or what gives you the confidence that feature-complete, not hands-off, but feature-complete yeah. is possible, and what can you excite us a little bit about what that's going to be like? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I... I 
when I drive like the latest uh, development version of the software, uh, you know, it, it you know can take me from my house to uh, the office, but but not with but there are in, there are interventions at times, so it, it doesn't uh, uh, perfectly deal with every intersection, um, the you know or every turn, um, and uh, you know I think it's possible to like one could obviously just uh, like game the system and just make it perfect for a particular route, but then it, that's just going to work on that route, and 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 then if that route changes or there's a construction, then it, that won't work. So it, it's very hard to come up with a a general solution. Um, so when one reads about these uh, other self-driving car companies, the, the the issue is that they have very specific solutions, but they're they're brittle. Um, they rely on uh, very high-resolution maps, uh, a lot of lidars. Uh, High-precision, like really expensive uh, GPS and um, in, uh, initial measurement, and uh, but it's it's but even then it's it, it's just not a general solution. Um, if, and if they go off the route that they're used to, they don't they don't work. So you know, so we want to, when we release something, we're releasing it to to a you know to, to five hundred thousand cars um, and and all over the world. And so it has to be a general solution. Um, so, so then we, uh, our progress may appear slower than, than it actually is um, relative to others that are developing self-driving technology. But, but in fact, it, I think it is quite a, a lot more advanced um, because any element that we release is a general solution. Um, there's, also, there's also like a plateau that you will reach taking yeah. the alternative approach that... Uh, just having experienced uh, with the team a lot of the work ahead of the investor day, like the trajectory is crazy, especially with the advanced compute uh, capability that we have. So um, I, I, that's my personal comment on it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we, we, we learn a lot of, you know, in terms of like what we should retrain the neural net uh, to do. Um, and, and then once we discover, okay, we need to train it to, we need a, a, a net that's going to like really effectively recognize uh, curves, for example. Um, and, and previously, we uh, trained the net on uh, free space. Uh, so it's like, now free space is just anything you can drive on that's not going to destroy the car. <laughs> but this is not comfortable uh, if you're just driving on like, dirt, <laughs> you know, or the car just drives over the grass, and like technically yes, but this is going to be disturbing. Um, so, so we, we like road, road edge and curb are two training nets that we, we are developing right now um, to say uh, this is independent of drivable free space. Um, so you want to know what drivable free space is for an emergency, so if you need to go on the shoulder of the road to avoid something, then okay, drive, free space is important. But then you also need to know where does ro where does true road space end because it's undesirable to go past true road space, um, and then uh, for especially for um, parking lots and tight corners, uh, just recognizing uh, curves. Um, these like little details they make they make, they're very important. Um, yeah. So, but I mean I have. Most of this working in like my my the development version that's on my car. Um, I, have, I have actually two dev branches, um, <laughs> uh, one for uh, enhanced summon and one for full self driving and two different cars. Uh, but it would not be good to release that to the general public, I think, quite yet. <laughs> so that's some good information about the challenges of the full self where full self driving is at the moment, at least in the the beta and alpha channels that Elon's using. Our next clip is a little interaction between Elon and a PETA representative. And actually, I thought it was a pretty entertaining interaction. Hello, good afternoon. My name is Jennifer Baer, and I'm here on behalf of PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment <laughs> of Animals. Okay. Hi. The steering wheel. Hi. <laughs> yes, the steering wheel. <laughs> you got it. 
So during last year's annual shareholder meeting, you assured us that the Model Y, quote, would not have any leather in it, including in the steering wheel, if it does have a steering wheel, end quote. <laughs> we have tried confirming this privately, but have been met with silence, and the website does not specify. It's also our understanding that all current Tesla models come standard with a leather steering wheel and need to be special ordered to be vegan. That's as, true. Currently. As you know, the United Nations reports that animal agriculture, which includes the leather industry, is responsible for more greenhouse gas emissions than all of the world's transportation combined. The Higg Index has found that in terms of water scarcity, climate change... No, okay, I, gotta, <laughs> I, I, totally, I, I totally agree. The, um, I actually uh, asked this question of uh, my team uh, earlier this week, um, and uh, I, I believe we, we, we're close to having a uh, non-heated steering wheel that's not leather, um, there are some challenges when when we when we heat uh, the, the non-leather material and also how well it wears over time. Um, so a steering wheel, there's, there's like it actually really has, needs to be very hardy um, because there's a lot of um, it's like we have a lot of basically oil and sweat and stuff on our hands. Uh, it gets kind of nasty if, if if you don't have like the right uh, surface treatments on the on the, the material. Um, so it's, it's an easier proposition to solve it for seats than it is for the steering wheel. Um, so it's actually a remarkable amount of effort to solve for the steering wheel, um, but it is a thing that we are we're working on and hope to release soon. That's Thank fantastic. You. So can you confirm the Model Y will be vegan as promised? <laughs> yes, I can. it will. And that all of Tesla's models will be free of animal products by next year's shareholder meeting? Uh, I, I'm not, you know, there might be the tiniest bit left, but I'm not sure, uh, but... Model Y, uh, Model 3, I think I'm confident about that. Uh, we have a lot of things to solve. Uh, but I think we can for sure the, the Model Y and the, the Model 3 soon. Um, and then you can also special order for the SNX. Uh, try as she might. She still couldn't get Elon nailed down to any sort of commitment there. But I do think that Tesla does care about this issue, and they are trying for sure. In the next clip, Elon talks about how he feels about advertising and whether Tesla will advertise in the future. And that is, you, you've expressed your frustration. I think we're all frustrated with the media narrative around uh, Tesla. And you've expressed your frustration in, in refuting some of the false information out there. Uh, you know, there's another alternative to that, which is to proactively advertise. And my question to you is, uh, are there any thoughts to revisiting the advertising decision? Thank you. Sure. Um, well, yeah, as I was saying, like, currently uh, we are selling more cars than we can make. So it is not um, – then spending money on advertising would make things worse financially. Um, and, and, and sure, it would probably increase demand, but, but uh, we're, make, we're selling more cars than we can make. So that's not, not – not, it's not a thing that's necessary right now. Um, and we're trying to make as many cars as possible – and I think like advertising, like generally, like I, I, I have not, have had an aversion to advertising because that there's like it's just too much trickery in advertising. Um, you know, there's just like there's a lot of false association. Was like they'll have like a bad product and then put it in a nice environment with good-looking people and then like trick you into buying it. Uh, is like common. Um, and you know, and then, and then some of the advertising can be quite strident, so it just tends to be sort of bad. So <laughs> I don't like advertising for that reason. But we we, we could have advertising as information um, to refute some of these issues. It, it, it's tricky though, because if, <laughs> if you have an ad that says, "Look, our cars don't catch on fire," <laughs> this is this is BS. Then they like, people might think. Uh, are your cars actually catching on fire? Like, what's <laughs> what's going on? Because yeah, there's so much trickery in advertising. Like, maybe the opposite thing is happening. Well, I, I wouldn't say that we're against advertising forever. It hasn't been necessary thus far. We'll definitely give this some thought. Uh, there's some good suggestions. Thank you. I feel real confident that Tesla's not going to advertise anytime in the near future. Their demand's high. Elon really doesn't care for advertising. It costs money to advertise, which means you got to raise the cost of your vehicles in order to cover that, cover the advertising costs. 
So it just doesn't make sense in Tesla's near future to me. In our final clip, Elon's going to talk about a new Tesla product that probably won't see the light of day, but I'm sure many of you have heard about it if you read the blogs, but it's still, it's still exciting. Let's listen. I have a really exciting question. Will Tesla make aquatic cars? And if so, when? Do you mean like a, like a quad bike or something? Uh, what do you mean a quad car? Aquatic car is in oh, aquatic. boat or submarine that's oh, a car. Oh, I see. Okay. Do you mean a car that can go in the water, basically? On or under or both the water. <laughs> it's funny you should mention that. Uh, <laughs> we do actually have a design for... A submarine car, uh, like the one from uh, the, the Spire Loved Me, uh, the sort of the Lotus that turns into a sub. Um, and I actually, we're, I, I thought that was like the coolest thing I'd seen in a movie. So I actually, ha- actually have that, the, the the ones from the movie. Um, now that one cannot actually transform um, because it has like fins where the wheels are. It's obviously not going to work. But if you make it a bit bigger. Um, then you can actually have a submarine car. It's like technically possible. I think the market for this will be small. Um, <laughs> it's small but enthusiastic. So, but we actually do do have a design for a submarine car. <laughs> like that would be crazy. It'd, it'd be difficult. It would not be. It would be a bit of a distraction, I think. So, but maybe we'll make one as a show car at some point. That'd be, that'd be really fun. So thank you. Thanks, everyone. If I had to put a price on a Tesla car slash submarine, I'm going to put that somewhere between $150,000 and $300,000. It'll probably never see the light of day, but it's neat that they're thinking about it for sure. All right. That's the whole show, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to email me, go, you just email me, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. Again, if you want to support the show on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com. Either way, it'll get you there. And follow me on Twitter at 918digital if you want to. All right. Everybody have a great week and I will talk to you next Friday. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.